0: from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air.
1: Shut something down or the state would would lock down or do something like that. that. That took the rest stops with it. We need to have flexibility, and that flexibility needs to be in the driver's hand.
2: But at the same time, it's very rewarding because you are helping our society move forward. Everything being put back on the shelves that we all use.
0: The White House has cited 90% turnover from some carriers. And you've said that number is, is more complicated than meets the eye. This is not that people are just flushing out of this industry. What's the reality on the ground? I'm Sarah Fenske. A nationwide trucking shortage has been one big factor in the supply chain issues that have bedeviled the country in recent years. The issue has gotten attention from no less than President Joe Biden, who unveiled a plan this month to boost truck driver hiring. The White House reports that turnover in trucking routinely averages 90 percent for some carriers. So why are truckers quitting and what would it take to bring them back? Hugo Rollin is a St. Louis-based trucker whose story may provide answers to both questions. Hugo tells our producer, Danny Wissentowski that he took his first trucking job in 2004. And over the years, he's seen the industry's ups and downs. He first left the industry in 2008 when his employer shut down. He returned five years later. And once again, that meant working a job that required leaving home for days and even weeks at a time hauling freight cross-country. Well, then COVID hit. Regulations were lifted to allow truckers with what were deemed essential supplies to drive without limits. Hugo did his part, but found it wasn't sustainable, especially since his absences left his wife stuck working at home with two small kids underfoot.
2: You could theoretically drive a 21-hour shift if that's what you wanted, if you had essential uh, freight, medical equipment, or even uh, food and groceries. So shippers... And, uh, brokers and everybody needed so much freight so fast all the time that it was, it, it burned me out. You know, it, it was just too much for me to do. And so I, I decided that uh, not only would I help my family, um, but I also needed a break from, from that.
0: Now, Hugo Rollin left his trucking job in December of 2020. He noted that one thing making the trucking life difficult is that drivers don't control their own time. They're limited to a certain number of hours each day. They strategize so they don't run out of those driving hours before finding a safe place to park, to go to the bathroom, and sleep. Sometimes, Hugo says, that sort of planning just isn't possible, especially when navigating big cities like Los Angeles.
2: It is very difficult to find um, the energy to drive out of these places sometimes because you're absolutely right. Sometimes you have to sleep in the day so that way you can drive at night. And it is very, very difficult, especially in the summertime. Um, it is hard to figure that out right away. It, it takes a little bit of time and it can be done. There's, there's many people that do it day in and day out. But having to change your sleep cycle does add to drivers being overweight, having to drink a lot of coffee, to stay up at night or to be able to drive those extra 50 miles. It, it does add up at the end of the day. So it is it is very difficult uh, for sure.
0: After he left trucking, Hugo Rollin took a job as an instructor at St. Louis Community College. But today, he's back in the driver's seat. He's now working for UPS. He says the experience has raised his expectations of what companies need to do to attract or lure back good drivers.
2: After being in the industry for almost 20 years, it is, I have learned to what it is that I want in a company and being on the road by myself is not something that I want to do because having to uh, find parking is a major hassle and also my mental health, you know, being alone in a truck cab for days on end is it, it can get pretty um, uh, lonely. It gets very, very lonely out here. So I wanted to change a little bit of uh, how I was, what it is that I needed in a company.
0: And Hugo says he's never been happier than with UPS. And that's only partly because the pay has never been better.
2: I'm gone six, uh, five days out of the week. Get to come home, spend a couple of days with my kids and, and my wife and hang out with my friends, and that's uh, that's really all I want. I want to be able to work and spend time with my family. And uh, I'm sure that that's what a lot of people want as well.
0: Now, for all the hardship that goes into trucking, Hugo said the job feels meaningful. He's confident that this industry will bounce back.
2: This is a very difficult job, but at the same time, it's very rewarding because you are helping our society move forward. You are helping groceries being delivered and you are helping everything being put back on the shelves that we all use, that we all consume. So it is almost brings you a little bit of joy knowing that what you're doing actually is helping, is for the greater good. Yes, there is a driver shortage but it's not gonna last forever.
0: And that is Hugo Rollin. He's a veteran trucker now working for UPS. Now, interestingly, President Biden pointed to Missouri as a bright spot in the overall landscape of trucking shortages. He said the state has seen 8 percent employment growth in trucking. That's one of the top five gains in the nation. And joining us now to talk about what's going right and what remains a big problem is Tom Crawford. He is the president of the Missouri Trucking Association. Tom Crawford, welcome.
1: Oh thanks for having me, sir. I appreciate it. And uh, what a great interview you had there with Hugo. He kind of he got a great snapshot of the industry. So kudos. Good job.
0: Yeah, it was great to hear about his experiences. It was it was wonderful that he was willing to talk to our producer, uh, Danny. And and I understand you have more of a, a bigger picture here. This this past week you met with your member companies, you talked about staffing issues. How big a concern is this right now for your members?
1: Well, it, it it is a big issue, and we we had a uh, meeting earlier this week with some of my board members. I had uh, representatives from UPS and FedEx, both in the room, and some other companies that folks would recognize as well um, from the truckload sector. And I think uh, Hugo's experience he kind of he kind of ran the gamut, if you will, of of the the truckload experience versus the home more frequently experience. And so I think. One of the challenges, one of the one of the benefits to this industry is its diversity and and the type of job. There's something in it for everyone, and mm-hmm. I think one of the challenges, as Hugo's experience kind of shows, is trying to make sure you match up the type of driving job to the type of person and and what they're wanting to do. And it sounds like he's finally hit that. Uh, He's hit that right mix, and he's, he's in a good place.
0: What's the bigger problem as far as trying to find people right now? Is it people who can do those those shorter trips, or is it the long-haul stuff?
1: Um, the the harder one to fit is the longer-haul stuff. Mm-hmm. The, the, the more local, um, you know, they're paying pretty well. All the jobs are paying pretty well right now, so that's the good news. Um, but the ones that are more local, I think, I think it's a lifestyle kind of issue, like Hugo was mentioning. Yeah, have a little more interaction, if you will, uh, when you're home more frequently. And, you know, a lot of the jobs you have um, more interaction with the public uh, at the local level as well. So um, I think it's, again, it's a matter of kind of matching up. You you could have other drivers that would be talking about this, and they like um, the, the getting away, the solitude, the making your own the challenges that he outlaid the parking oh my gosh what a what a good segue to one of the big issues that faces our industry is parking and and his experience kind of highlights and pinpoints exactly why that's such an issue when drivers are are faced with the limitations of hours and things that they have to get their jobs done in. So,
0: Yeah, I mean, that sounds incredibly stressful, hearing him talk about the strategizing that has to go into some of these long trips and you're coming into a big city and, you know, you've got to find a place to, to pull over in time. Have these regulations not kept up with the reality of what trucking is like today?
1: Well, I think availability of truck parking hasn't kept up. Mm. Um, I, I think one of the things... You know, the, the regulations have been decent. I, every trucker hearing me say that's going to say he's re, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I understand <laughs> they don't exactly agree with what that, they're huh? saying about that. Yeah. We're always working on the regulations. We're always trying to interject that, quote, common sense that everybody talks about. Hugo's experience is kind of indicative of what we, we talk about all the time, is a driver should be able to say, hey, I'm going into congested area. I'm going... I, I need some rest. I need to be able to pull. I need some flexibility is the word that we keep using all the time when we try to work on these regulatory changes. Is We need to have flexibility, and that flexibility needs to be in the driver's hands. Mm-hmm. They need to be able to say, hey, I know I know what I can do and what I can't do. I know what's coming ahead. I know the uh, congestion issues that are in front of me. I need to pull over now, get some rest, and then go when it's less congested. And sometimes the regulations are, are at odds of what Common sense would dictate, and so the one size fits all when you try to do something from a federal standpoint and, and regulate that, what works in a congested New York city east coast area is is quite a bit different on the west coast out in the less congested areas. so.
0: hmm
1: Yeah, it, I mean, there's there's challenge.
0: just so much that goes into this. So many challenges. And <laughs> and we're interested, if, if you're a trucker, uh, we want to hear about your experience. You can call us at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Um, you know, maybe you have some of these complaints that Tom acknowledges he's heard. Maybe this is the best job of your life. Either way, we want to hear about it. We actually have a caller now with some thoughts on this. This is Elizabeth calling from St. Louis. Uh, Elizabeth, hi, you're on St. Louis on the here. Hello. How are you? Yeah. Thanks. Um, thanks for joining us. I understand this is your husband that you're calling about.
3: Yes. Yes. Um, he is quite determined. So he got an app. He learned the to get his endorsements. He it was 150. He every three days he was going to the CDL place off 255 and taking a test. After profusely studying and then restudying so he got all of his endorsements tanker double triple he got everything and then he got his learner's permit and he shopped around and uh he found uh uh, a company that you know because when you go you get you have to go five or six or seven weeks for five six seven thousand dollars well he found schneider that let you go once he had everything they had an intensive training course for tanker trucks so he was only at school for two weeks and it was like $2,500 he owed the company, but he stayed there a year and didn't know anything as opposed to five, six, seven thousand. And then uh, they sent him to New York, which is horrible. I, you know, you can drive 20 miles and it'll take you three hours to get there. Yeah. So you only have one load a day. He trained there and then he he's home every weekend. Um, Tanker's a little more intensive, so it pays a little more, so he tripled his salary and I think they should have this in schools, maybe not put you know 18 year olds behind 18 wheelers, but they need to offer it in schools because he came out we 've already saved twenty five thousand dollars in one year Wow because he 's tripled his salary, and it 's just amazing life 's changing.
0: Well, Elizabeth, this, this is so great to hear how this worked out for Elizabeth's family. And and Tom, I imagine that as much as truckers do have complaints about some things, you've also heard stories like this before, too.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, trucking has historically been um, kind of the, the glide path, if you will, to a really good middle America, middle income kind of job or, or way of life. And with the, the state of the economy right now and and the focus on drivers and the opportunities, um, it, it, the pay is getting pretty good. And that's a that's a great testimonial there by Elizabeth. Hmm.
0: Yeah, well, Elizabeth, thank you for sharing that experience. Um, that's just, it's great to hear. Tom, this bigger picture, you know, I mentioned the statistic up high, the White House has cited 90% turnover for, from some carriers. And you've said that number is is more complicated than meets the eye. This is not that people are just flushing out of this industry. What's the reality on the ground?
1: Well, so like with any job, I mean, if you would go and take a look at, at hospitals and folks coming in at certain levels and you start somewhere and you go, this isn't for me. And I think that's the, that number contributes to that 90%. And I, you know, we can't deny it. It's, it is what it is. But then you go to a lot of companies and you and you talk to the drivers and they're, they've been there 25, 30, 40 years. And so there's, there's, a, an element of the driver population that's that's searching, trying to find that fit, like Hugo was talking about or in your earlier segments, where i i don't want to be gone three weeks at a time i I want to be gone a week at a time. I want so mm-hmm. trying to find the job that fits what you're looking for. I think today we we know more than we did twenty years ago um and and more opportunities are out there than there were twenty years ago as well, so mm-hmm. trying to find that fit and do that up front, I think is going to help that number of decrease.
0: So looking at just how many truckers we need right now across the U.S., you've said it's not as simple as just hiring a bunch of people, that that doesn't make sense. Why not?
1: Well, because we have so many things that, that take folks out on the back end, and, and those are our lifestyle choices. Those are retirements. Those are, you know, we saw a huge... Um, shift, if you will, when the new uh, drug regulations came into being. And that took a lot of folks out of the mix. And not because there were a lot of druggies or anything, but the laws between federal and state are a little bit different. We see an increasing number of states that are legalizing marijuana. And it's it's a difficult issue for the industry to say, okay, every, it, it might be legal for you to do something here medicinally or whatever, but you can't get in a truck. And mm-hmm. so... And, and so that's the, knocking
0: that's, out a, a big part of the potential labor pool.
1: Correct, absolutely. Interesting. It, for something that still has a federal, you know, overlay requirement, and it's still illegal on the federal level. So, um, and then the other issue that that kind of came up through the pandemic was we had challenges, and and while while everybody was, you talked about the truckers being essential and keeping moving, um, you know, the issues like being able to use the restroom, being able to to get food, we. That was one of the big things that a lot of the associations were working as they heard across the country you know when when pennsylvania would shut something down or the state would would lock down or do something like that 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 took the rest stops with it because Mm. they're like trying to keep the public well that's what the that's what drivers use as facilities so we kind of raised our hand and so we all reached out to our states to say hey if you're going to do something from a public standpoint make sure you still have opportunities available for truckers to find a place to rest and find a place to eat and find a place to use the facilities. And so,
0: Yeah. I mean, I think something we all learned in this pandemic is even when we think of everything being shut down, we still depend on truckers getting out there. In fact, we depend on them maybe more than we ever did. And so maybe there's some new appreciation for that, that in the early days of the pandemic, we didn't get. Do you feel like that's maybe part of what's going on here is people understand this is maybe the most essential of essential workers here?
1: I, I think it is. And I think that's a positive. And I, I think uh, hopefully that the driver will see some benefit both in, in some changes and, and obviously already in some increased pay and, and compensation. So hopefully those kind of, that kind of focus is going to, is going to, benefits to them long-term.
0: So when we heard from Elizabeth talking about her husband's experience, uh, she talked about all the training that he had to get, and it sounded like there was a little bit of outlay on the front end. Hugo had mentioned how his first truck jobs paid for his training, but it doesn't sound like that's always the case. Is that something that companies are thinking, okay, we might have to do this? We're looking for people, and we're going to have to cover the cost of this.
1: So it, it, there's a variety of, of ways that it that it happens, and I think you' you've heard both sides of it I think um, my experience my um, kind of seat of the pants analysis has been if if you want a job in trucking it's going you're going to be able to find it with minimal outlet. You might have to put something down, but they're going to find a way to compensate you for that mm. so if if it was a five thousand dollar they're going to find a way that if you if you come to work for somebody and 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 you're a good driver and you're working out. It, that's going to be taken care of in the compensation. Hmm. So, um, yeah, it, 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 a lot of times they found if you just give somebody something, it's it's not as meaningful to them, but if they have some sweat equity involved in it. And so I think there's a little bit of, of you know, um, give and take, if you will.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but but for the most part, I anybody wanting to get in the industry, it, th- this is a good time to become a trucker.
0: Well, that's actually the perfect note to end on. If, if you're thinking about getting involved in this, this is an industry that wants you and has a lot of jobs and, and a lot of different jobs, as, as Tom pointed out. It doesn't always have to be that stuff where you're away for months on end. Uh, Tom Crawford, I want to thank you so much for joining us today.
1: I appreciate it, Sarah.
0: This episode was produced by Danny Wissentowski with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Doerr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry, choosewood.com.